the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, it's Hugh Hewitt. Welcome to the interview with Hugh Hewitt, sponsored by AndrewandTodd.com. Andrew and Todd are with Sierra Pacific Mortgage. They help you with all your real estate lending needs. If you're refinancing your home, if you're buying a new home, if you're a senior who wants a reverse mortgage, if you're a veteran who doesn't want to put any money down, whatever it is, if you're in the private real estate market for yourself, and maybe you want an investment property, try AndrewandTodd.com or call 888-888-1172. Now on to the interview with Hugh Hewitt. First, a business owner, Bernie Marino from Westlake, Ohio. Bernie Marino. (laughs) Former Ohio treasurer, Josh Mandel from Beechwood, Ohio. Author J.D. Vance from Cincinnati, Ohio. (laughs) Business owner Mike Gibbons from Cleveland, Ohio. (laughs) State Senator Matt Dolan from Chagrin Falls, Ohio. and former Ohio GOP Chairwoman Jane Timken from Canton, Ohio. There are only three rules tonight. Moderators, after the first two questions, which are mine, get 30 seconds to ask their question. Each candidate in each round gets 75 seconds. At the end of those 75 seconds, you'll hear this bell. That's it. The magic bell, and if they keep talking, you're gonna keep hearing that bell, but they've all assured us that they won't And then after my first two, we go to air and then back and forth as time allows. At 8 o'clock, we have a two-minute station break because the FCC, which rules the airwaves, requires us to do that. Without further comment, let's get to work. Thank you for coming tonight. Um, Bernie, you drew the short straw. We're going to start at that end and come this way. My first question, as Aaron mentioned, he and I are both from Warren, uh, greatest city in Ohio. And it is likely that one of you uh, will face... The congressman that represents Warren, Tim Ryan. I know Tim Ryan. I've worked with Tim Ryan. Tim Ryan is a friend of mine. He is not a pushover. He's a tough candidate. So why are each of you best positioned to beat Tim Ryan, especially in a state that sometimes goes blue but increasingly goes red? How are you best of these six to win that race? Well, thank you, Hugh, and thank you for having me. Let me just start by acknowledging my wife of 32 years who's with me here tonight. I couldn't be here without her, so thank you very much, Bridget, wherever you are. Uh, secondly, uh, on the question of Warren, it's all about, it's all about jobs. And I've, that's what I've done my entire life is I consider myself a job creator. I could have moved my company to any place other than Ohio, but I kept my headquarters here, kept thousands of employees here in Ohio. When the Lordstown plant was closing, I went to a very wealthy business partner of mine, and together we put a proposal together to save the Lordstown plant. And that proposal would have kept the union workers there, would have kept two shifts at Lordstown, and we would have had the opportunity to create a ride-sharing service 
to compete with Uber and Lyft called Cruise. Unfortunately, uh, General Motors did not accept our proposal, but I'd risk my entire wealth to make that happen, because I think at the end of the day, what we have to do as public officials and public leaders is be the advocate for Ohio. That's what I've done my 16 and a half years that I've been in Cleveland, is advocate to make certain we bring good, high-quality, paying jobs to places like Warren, Ohio, which have been lost by both parties. In fact, you'll good to know that the hot dog shop may even close. You know that will create a riot, Hugh. So it's about... Oh, no. <laughs> exactly. So it's about jobs, good, high-paying jobs. Josh. The question was, uh, why am I the best candidate to beat Tim Ryan? I'm the only candidate up here that's running his campaign through churches. My opponents are all running their campaign through traditional Republican Party groups, which is fine. Uh, but I believe that with everything we're facing in this country, we're not going to save the country for our kids and grandkids in Republican Party offices. We're going to save the country in houses of worship like this. When I first started running the campaign through churches, people were laughing at me and ridiculing me. Uh, we had our first church town hall in a town called Bucyrus, Ohio, about an hour from here. And in Bucyrus, we were hoping to have about 50 people show up. We had 250 people show up at Victory and Truth Ministries. We then went to Finley, had 270 people show up at First Nazarene, had 300 people show up at Washington Baptist, had 500 people show up at Solid Rock Church in Lebanon, and then we had 600 people show up at Community Grace Brethren, a church in the middle of a cornfield in Miami County. And the reason I'm running my campaign through churches instead of running my campaign through traditional Republican Party groups is because this fight is to protect the Judeo-Christian bedrock of America. J.D. Yeah, well, thanks, uh, Hugh and Aaron. Thanks to CCV for doing this, and thanks to all of you for coming. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about tonight, excited to, to get to talk with you. You know, I, I think the way to take on Tim Ryan, Tim Ryan is, is twofold, and, and this is the reason I'm best able to do it, is first of all, at the end of the day, Tim Ryan is going to make this about his biography. He's going to make it about union jobs. He's going to make it about blue-collar workers. And I actually come from a part of the country, and I lived in a family that was devastated by the fact that Tim Ryan, despite all of his rhetoric, let good middle-class jobs go to China because he didn't protect them. And the leaders of our country, bipartisan leaders, unfortunately, didn't protect them. So I think we can go after Tim Ryan on the fact that he's basically a fraud and a phony. He says all these great things. He doesn't actually do it. He's been in office for 20 years and hasn't protected those middle-class jobs. I think the other thing we can do is, you know, the, the, the Democrats have gone so crazy on the social issues, on the gender issue, on the abortion issue. I mean, you know, 20 years ago it was safe, legal, and rare, which wasn't my view, but that was at least a different view than now. It's like shout your abortion from the rooftops. I think we have to be willing as Republicans in a general election to hammer the left on how crazy they've gone on social issues because those are the issues where we actually have an opportunity – those are the issues, I think, where we have an opportunity to show who we are and just how radical the Democrats have gotten. Thank you. Mike. Well, I'm a, uh, I'm a businessman. I'm not a politician. And uh, I think the last thing this, this state wants right now is another career politician in office. I can't tell you how physically ill I get every time I hear a career politician pump their arm and say, I'm going to create jobs, jobs, jobs. They don't have the slightest idea how a job is created. Uh, jobs are created by business people taking risk. 
And we've got to get government out of, uh, out of business regulation. We've got to, uh, to make sure that tax rates stay low. And this guy stands for just the opposite. Now, I also come from a working class background. My grandfather was president of local labor union, labor's union in Cleveland. I'm going to get union support. Um, my ethnicity is great, particularly in Cuyahoga County. Uh, Tim Ryan is going to have his hands full. Because, frankly, I don't think a career politician knows enough to get elected in this state. Thank you. Senator. Thank you, CCV, for having us tonight. In just a brief moment, let's remember that there are fellow Ohioans right now who, in an act of God, went to Haiti and are now being held hostage. So as you go to bed tonight, please keep them in your prayers. Uh, Tim Ryan uh, is going to have a pr problem with me because I'm the only one that's on this stage who's been in Youngstown in the Mahoning Valley to fix it. He's going he's gonna to look inward and say, boy, Dolan's been here for American Works. Dolan's been here for Voltage Valley. But when you look broadly, they're also going to see that in my time in the legislature and in my time as private sector, I understand what it takes to get Ohio moving. I've cut your taxes. I've reduced your regulation. I have allowed you as parents to choose where you should send your child to school so that no public school can, can keep your child behind. In addition, I'm the only one that's been on the ballot twice with Donald Trump. And both times, I won and outperformed the president by 11,000 votes. You know what that means in November? That means I can attract Trump Republican votes and the necessary independent votes it's going to take to win in November and lead in January. Thank you. Jane? Thank you all for having me here. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm the best candidate here tonight to defeat Tim Ryan because I am the only candidate that's actually been in the trenches fighting for our conservative values and for the America First agenda. Uh, President Trump endorsed and supported me to take on the, the party as chair of the party, and I delivered and unified the Ohio Republican Party, delivered results in 2018, and proudly delivered Ohio for President Trump by more than eight and a half points. I know how to win. I know how to win these races in Ohio because I've done it. As I've traveled 150,000 miles in my car all across the state of Ohio. I know what Ohio values are, and I know which policies from Washington work for Ohioans and which ones do not. And I'm in this fight for the America First agenda. President Trump was right. We need to bring our manufacturing back. We need to champion our blue-collar men and women, the forgotten men and women who are in the trenches fighting for their families. It's about our faith, our freedoms, and our families. And that's why I will be the best United States senator and defeat Tim Ryan. Thank you. The second question, I want to proceed. I forgot rule three, classic mistake. Uh, there is no right of reply that you may have seen in the debates in 2016. So if candidate A says something bad about candidate B, say that they're a Steelers fan. Candidate B has to wait until it comes around to them again if they want to use their time at that point. There's no interrupting. So that went well. None of you violated the, the rule there. That's great. Uh, part two. Each of you want to replace Rob Portman. Rob Portman has been a terrifically effective senator for Ohio. Two terms. He upholded. President Trump in 2016 when he's on the ballot with him, and the less we applaud, the more questions we get. Um, so you want to replace Rob. We welcome his endorsement, but as you explain whether or not you will welcome his endorsement, he was one of 17 Republicans. In fact, he was the lead negotiator on the trillion-dollar infrastructure bill that is pending before the House now. 
Would you have voted for that trillion dollar bill uh, that Senator Portman negotiated? We start with you, Jane, and go this way this time. Um, well, first of all, Senator Portman has been a statesman and a great champion for Ohio and America. Um, and so I applaud his leadership. Um, I would welcome his endorsement. Um, I think Senator Portman has been effective for the state of Ohio. Um, I, however, would differ with him on the infrastructure bill. I've said publicly that I would differ with him um, for a variety of reasons. One is that I think the bill does not actually address uh, predominantly real, what I call infrastructure, roads, bridges, broadband, and has an addition of all sorts of other uh, Democrat socialist-leaning agenda items in that bill. Um, but most importantly, where I found that the difference is, is that the Democrats did not negotiate that bill in good faith. Um, I've, you know, practiced law, negotiated many deals. Um, as soon as the Democrats started moving the football, moving the, the goalposts in that negotiation, I would have walked. We need Republicans who are going to stand up on our principles and fight and say, no, enough is enough. We want a real infrastructure bill. Stop playing games. We cannot negotiate with the Democrats if they're going to continue to negotiate in bad faith. We see it every day coming out of Nancy Pelosi in the Speaker's office. Senator. Uh, so, yes, I would welcome Rod, Rob Portman's endorsement. And, in fact, uh, Rob Portman is fighting for Ohio. And I don't know how you can say you're not you're for Ohio if you didn't, wouldn't vote for this bill. Understand what this bill is. It is a very narrow infrastructure bill where half the money is paid for already by your gas tax. So if you're going to pay a gas tax, shouldn't we use it for what's intended to do, and that's build on your infrastructure? The remaining dollars, which does not add to the debt and is not a tax increase, come from, and it's been there from the very beginning, if you read the bill, it comes from COVID relief dollars and it comes from recouping dollars of fraudulent unemployment. So Rob Portman negotiated a deal that does not raise the debt or your taxes. And this bill does affect us every day. It affects our commerce. You go to Cincinnati, there is a bridge where 3% of our GDP goes across it. We need to make sure commerce can flow. How do you go to Appalachia and say, I'm for you, I'm fighting for you, but I'm not willing to give you broadband? These are significant investments in our electric grid. You know, folks, we want to move on to the new technologies. If we don't have a grid ready to, to take it on and to be secure from any cyber attack, what are we doing? We're putting our livelihoods at risk. Mike. I would not have supported the infrastructure bill. This country is broke. And uh, I, I spent... I spent much of my early, early career financing infrastructure projects. This bill's not about infrastructure projects. We just, we're going to run a $3 trillion deficit this year. You don't do things you don't have to do. Matt just said it. We're already paying a gas tax. We can build the bridge between Cincinnati and Kentucky with the gas tax that's in existence. It's another reason to spend more money that Republicans have to stand up and just say no. You know, Ohio, it's about Ohio, yes, but Ohio won't be here if the entire country goes down the tubes. And, uh, and that's exactly where we're headed with this crazy spending on the part of Democrats. J.D. Yeah, so look, I'd, I'd welcome anybody's endorsement. I mean, Hugh or Aaron, if you guys are interested, I'll take it, I'll take it right now. But, uh, you know, Rob's done a lot of good things for the state, but I think this infrastructure bill was a disaster. I think it was a disaster because it spent a lot of money, to Mike's point, that we don't have. But look, if you look at some of the provisions in this bill, included something called the Transportation Equity Act of 2021. I imagine most people have never heard of it. 
One of the things it does is address the terrible scourge in this country of too many male truck drivers and not enough female truck drivers. Right? This is the sort of thing that gets counted as infrastructure in Washington, D.C. these days. That's not infrastructure. It's totally bogus. It's probably not even neutral. It's a terrible thing to add into federal law. So we're spending money we don't have for terrible ideas. It's, it's like a triple loss for our country and for the state of Ohio. We do need infrastructure. I live in Cincinnati. Go Bengals, by the way, Hugh. But um, I'm, the, I, I'm the only guy who's unfortunately probably had to drive on the Brent, bridge, Brent Spence Bridge all the time. But at the end of the day, that $1.2 trillion package maybe had $400 billion worth of real infrastructure. Let's do the real infrastructure and leave all the crap out of it. Josh Vandell. I'd welcome anyone's endorsement. This bill was a complete boondoggle. Uh, I agree with a lot of my colleagues to my right who've uh, articulated what a waste of money it was. But there were multiple, I think you said, Hugh, 17 Republicans who voted for it. So let's talk about what the real problem is. The real problem is we have all these squishy rhino establishment Republicans. And they go to Washington to do good, but they stay in Washington to do well. Do well for themselves, their lobbyist cronies, in the case of Biden, his family. Listen, at the end of the day, yes, we're going to beat the Democrats Tim Ryan next year, but the more important fight is the fight for the soul of the Republican Party. And we, we, have to, we, we can't have what's going on now. You, the, 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 the party's in a path, at a fork in the road. Yeah, one path is these, these rhinos, these traitors who voted for impeachment like Romney and Cheney and Gonzalez, we gotta get rid of them, get them out of the Republican Party. The path I'm gonna take, I'm going there to be reinforcements for Jim Jordan, Ted Cruz, and Donald Trump. Bernie. Well, thank you. I'm not gonna throw a bunch of uh, cliche lines at you. Uh, I'm the only one here who's gone to business school and not law school, I'm very proud of that. So let me just say this. Uh, in terms of Rob Portman's endorsement, of course, he's a voter in Ohio. <laughs> I want every voter in Ohio. And I get the blessing that he knows me. So of course I love, love his endorsement. In terms of this infrastructure bill, it's not that complicated. The bill does not do real infrastructure, number one. And number two, it's we do not need more spending. We do not need more spending. We've probably forgotten that in January, the Democrats passed a $1.9 trillion bill called the American Rescue Plan. So as Republicans, we can't just sit up here and say, no, that's bad, no, that's bad, no, that's bad. We have to offer a solution. And the solution certainly can't be to do more of what the Democrats want. I said back in May, before this became a popular issue, that we should take the American Rescue money, which was a big, huge boondoggle. That was the boondoggle and allow the states, the cities, and the counties to reuse that money for what all of us in this room consider real infrastructure. Now, the good news is the Senate just realized that and two days ago passed that resolution. Thank you. Aaron. So now we're going to uh, play a little more popcorn going around instead of just down the line. Um, I'm going to start this question with, with J.D. Vance. We'll, we'll go to all the candidates on this. You know, it is an especially difficult time to be a child in America today. Uh, what do you think is the greatest crisis facing our kids 
And what will and can you do about it if you're elected U.S. Senator? Well, there are a lot of crises facing our kids. I mean, I, I'm reminded of that story just last week of that terrible you know, two, two little girls who were raped by a boy wearing a skirt because the Loudoun County, Virginia school board decided it was more important to respect the rights of transgender individuals than it was to protect the kids in the school. I think that's a terrible travesty. But if, but if I had to pick one thing, uh, I, I would pick the crisis of fatherlessness in our country right now. You know, I, I grew up in a tough home. At the end of the day, if we want kids to have a good life, if we want kids to be able to have happy, fulfilled existences, there, there need to be moms and dads in the home, and Republicans have got to stand and have the courage to say it. Now, I, I tend to think that one, I mean, this is complicated. I think that, unfortunately, uh, the, the Democrats have pushed a narrative that moms and dads don't matter. They push this idea that fathers don't really count. Of course they do. But if there's one concrete idea, it's that one of the reasons why we had the decline of, of healthy, stable families in this country is because a bipartisan set of idiot leaders shipped our manufacturing base off to China, and that destroyed the economic base on which middle-class families were built. If we want to have healthy, stable families, we need to have jobs in this country where a, sink, where a, a man can work, provide for his family, and that's that. Jane Timken, what, what do you see as the greatest crisis facing our kids? Well, as a mom, I'm very concerned about our children. Uh, I think our education system is failing our children for a variety of reasons. Um, they are falling further and further behind. Our children are failing in schools. They cannot read. They cannot write. It is because our, our education system has deviated from its job. And instead of prayer and patriotism in school, we're now talking about critical race theory and other, you know, the other issues like um, sexuality and other sex education that is destroying the, live, the lives of these children. Um, look, we're talking about biological men playing in girls' sports. We're talking about biological men going into girls' bathrooms. As a mom, I will stand up and fight back against this. I've been on a listening tour against critical race theory across the state of Ohio. What I'm hearing from my parents is appalling. You know, I've seen a teacher who stood up and separated the kids on their opinion as to whether biological men should play in sports, and a young female athlete said no. She was bullied in school because of it. Look. To be competitive in the world and to have the American dream, we need an education system that works for our children. Thank you. Bernie Moreno. Listen, I, I come from a, I'm la, uh, first I'm gonna push back on the question because it's easier to be in America than anywhere else on earth and let's never forget that, okay? I came from a country in South America that was surrounded by socialist ideology. You wanna think about how hard it is to be a kid? Be a kid outside of America. But in America, we're certainly facing the difficulties that we never should have faced in the first place. I'm one of seven kids. My grandfather was one of 23. I have four kids myself. Right? When they tell Latins uh, not to use birth control, we listen. So <laughs> the important thing that's happening in our education system, in all seriousness, is indoctrination. And it's not enough to sit here and talk about the issue or write about the issue. But it's what have you done about it in your life so far? I'm proud that I raised four amazing kids because I went home every single night and brought my kids the A game when I got home, no matter what was going on at work. I also volunteered and spent countless hours and money 
in Tri-C, our local community college at CSU, and proud that I defended free speech on campus and made Cleveland State the only university in all of Ohio that got the highest rating for free speech on campus. So again, it's not enough to talk about these issues. It's what have you done to do anything about it? Mike Gibbons. You know, the uh, Brookings Institute, a liberal think tank, said there's really only three rules that assures you of not entering into poverty. And child poverty is probably the worst thing we have uh, facing our children right now. Uh, you need to graduate from high school, get a full-time job, and wait until you're married before you have children. It's time we address that. Our government is funding these dysfunctional families, but just enough to let them live. We've got to address it. We've got to face the problem. J.D. alluded to it. Fatherless families are killing kids, and we can't let it happen. And I mean they're physically, that's just not metaphorically. Um, you know, you see the, the, the murders on the streets, children being murdered. It can't go on. You know, what we face right now with critical race theory, and I'm going to call it wokeism, is we're teaching children to hate each other. If you're white, you're the bad guy. If you're black, you're a victim. That's not great for the future of America. We have to end it. Thank you. Josh Mandel. I think the worst thing happening to kids today is that the secular left, the fake news media, the uniparty in Washington, they're trying to take God out of all aspects of society. And they're trying to water down on the Judeo-Christian bedrock of America. And my personal feeling is we shouldn't be watering down. We should be doubling down. We should be instilling faith in the classroom, in the workplace, and everywhere in society. The secular left, the ACLU, the Southern Poverty Law Center, a lot of these Soros-funded organizations, uh, they, they advance the argument that the separation of church and state exists, and for that reason, you can't teach kids about religion. My personal feeling is there's no such thing as separation of church and state. The framers of the Constitution envisioned a country where in the classroom, kids would learn about God that in the classroom kids would learn about good versus evil, and that Judeo-Christian ethic separates itself from Islam and atheism and all these other belief sets on so many levels, but one of the main levels is our acknowledgement of good versus evil and teaching our kids to fight for good over evil. And Matt Dolan. So thank you. Qu quickly, just to understand, uh, I'm the only one that said they'd support the infrastructure bill, and these guys all said they want infrastructure. You have to actually pass a bill. President Trump wanted infrastructure, and Republicans didn't pass a bill. So you better send people to Washington who know what they're doing so we can actually serve you. The biggest threat facing our children today is they're being taught that somehow equal opportunity has turned into equality of results, and that it kills kills your ability to have that independent spirit, that American spirit, that no matter who you are, no matter what color your skin is, no matter what your religion is, you have an opportunity to succeed here. And what I've done about it is empower you, the parents, and make sure that if you want to take your child to a religious school, that the money will follow you and you can put your child in a religious school. So if your public schools are failing you, if your public schools are indoctrinating you through critical race theory, which we in the Senate and the House will get rid of this fall, 
You are empowered to change it because of some of the legislation that I have worked on in Columbus. It's that same responding to you, to making sure you have the choices to make for your family. That's what it, the American spirit is. That's what we got to get back to Washington so federal government gets out of your life and allows you to succeed. You. Back to you. Thank you. This is about immigration. I think I will start with you, Josh. Uh, assuming, in fact, all of you assume that the wall will be finished and that you're all against amnesty. These are basic. If you disagree with those, by all means, tell me. But I'm assuming you want the wall completed and you're against amnesty. What immigration legislation, in addition to those two positions, do you believe in, Josh Mandel? Uh, first of all, I'm a Marine Corps vet. I uh, did a couple tours in Iraq, in Anbar province, and I did my small part. And what kills me watching this immigration issue is the fact that we have homeless veterans living under bridges, and we have the politicians in Washington, Democrat and Republican, who are using our tax money to pay for illegal immigrants to stay in hotels on the southern border. Think about that for a second. So first and foremost, you, I would advance legislation to make sure that not one penny of our tax money is ever spent on an illegal, while we have homeless veterans living under bridges and on the, and on the streets. Second, I believe that George Soros is funding, Obama is coordinating, and Biden is enabling an invasion of our country. This is not a crisis, this is an invasion. And so I believe we should be stacking up on the southern border, not only border guards, but also National Guard troops from Ohio and from states all around the country to secure the border for good. Jane Timken, what immigration legislation would you support other than the wall and no amnesty? Well, first of all, um, I'm the granddaughter of Irish immigrants and the daughter of an immigrant. So um, I, I think I have an understanding of immigration and, and so many people want to come to this country. But President Trump is right. America first means the sovereignty of our country. Um, and besides building the wall, we need to make sure that our federal funding is going to investing in our border patrol agents and making sure they have the resources. We should be in funding new technologies. If, assuming the wall is built, there should be more surveillance technology. But fundamentally, what we're watching and witnessing is an invasion of our southern border. We need an investigation now as to what is happening, who's funding this immigration invasion right now. We need to make sure that we're securing our country, putting America first, putting American workers first. It needs to stop because we are now seeing the Democrats take taxpayer dollars and pay illegal immigrants $15,000 in New York. That's wrong. We need to make sure we're taking care of our communities because what's happening with the southern border, we have fentanyl and meth and other drugs coming into Ohio where we had record overdoses in Ohio. We need it to stop because it's affecting our families and our communities. And most importantly as well, we are one of the highest human trafficking states and we need to stop that. It's affecting families. I'm in this fight for American families and Ohio families and America first. Mike Gibbon. You know, there's a, 
anywhere from 150 million to 750 million people in the world outside of the United States who would drop anything, everything they're doing right now, and move to the, the United States. Joe Biden just said, open borders. And we're seeing what's happening. The only way to stop this is to get comprehensive immigration legislation through. And the only way to do that is going to be get a filibuster-proof majority in the House and the Senate. And I want to tell you the first couple of things I would do. First of all, anybody that came here illegally under the Biden administration is heading back to their country of origin. <laughs> Secondly, we need to make sure in this legislation that nobody ever has even a hope of becoming a citizen of the United States if they came here illegally. If we don't do that, they're going to keep pouring across the border, because every time a Democrat administration gets in, they'll open the wall. And we need to finish the wall, obviously. J.D. Vance. Yeah, so I think one of the craziest things about our present immigration crisis is my kid is made to wear a mask at school, and yet illegal aliens are allowed to walk across our border without a shot, without any restrictions, without any requirements. And so the legislation that I would propose says if you're a corporation, if you're a state government, if you're the federal government, you cannot make an American citizen do a single thing you're not willing to make an illegal immigrant do. Now, the second thing is, I really think that, it, assuming we get our immigration system under control, we need to reform our legal immigration system in this country. We're the only advanced economy in the world that basically lets people come into our country based on family relationships instead of based on merit. If you come into this country, it should be because you enrich the American way of life, not because your great-great-granddaughter came here 10 years ago. That needs to change. That's the other thing I'd do. Senator McCollin. Thank you. So aren't we all tired of talking about immigration reform? Wouldn't it be great if we had a president who made it his signature reason why he should be elected and actually got it done? And we did. We had President Trump. So the easiest thing for me to do is to say I'm going to put the legislation in that actually worked, that President Trump did. Stay in Mexico policy, finish the wall, but he even describes the wall as a physical barrier, a technological barrier, and border patrol, more personnel. But guess what happened, folks? This matters. I may not be the best at getting you to stand on your feet and applause, but I can get things done. And in 2017, when President Trump went to the White House to secure our borders because he can't have a nation without borders, we had the White House, we had the uh, Congress, we had Republicans in the Senate, we had Republicans in the House, and we didn't get it done. As a result, President Trump had to fight through and get it done by executive order. And you saw what happened on January 20th, 2021. It went away immediately. Folks, it is easy to get you riled up by defining the problem. You better send somebody to Washington like me who knows how to address the problem to get it done, to fix our problems so we can move on in this country and not rehash the same old problems. President Trump got it right. That will be the legislation that we need to be put in place, and it will stay in place no matter who else goes into the White House. And Bernie Marino. Was this pick on the immigrant to answer that question last? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> okay, perfect. No, this is, this is a very serious issue. Uh, I would encourage my fellow candidates before the primary to visit the border, uh, like I did three weeks ago. I think if you went there, you'd realize, Josh, you're not staying at hotels. They're getting on buses and planes and going all over America. 
if only they were staying in hotels. They're being shipped everywhere. Uh, this is an intentional invasion of our country. I'm glad to hear my opponents say that. I've been saying that since the day I announced my campaign. Because let me tell you this. It is more offensive to those of us who came here legally to see people come here illegally is out of control crazy. And what we have to do, the question was, what exact things would I do? Number one, and I've been saying this since day one, we have to send the U.S. military. The National Guard's already there. We have to send the U.S. military there and designate the Mexican drug cartels, who is who's paying for those immigrants to come here, as a foreign terrorist organization. <laughs> By doing that, it allows us to go into Mexico and wipe them off the face of this hemisphere. Then the second thing we do, and I agree with J.D., is we have to think about immigration from what is a value add for America. Every other country on Earth looks at immigration that way, except for the United States. That's got to change. Now I'm going to give it back to Aaron and remind everyone that we will break at 8 for two minutes, uh, and I will interrupt on a hard break because it's an FCC reg. So, uh, J.D. Vance, we're going to start with you here. Confirming judicial nominations is one of the most important roles that the next U Ohio's next U.S. Senator will have. When you sit down, if you're the next senator, when you sit down with a, with a candidate, uh, what will be your red lines? You know, what will be the things that uh, a, a candidate, uh, that would disqualify a nominee in your mind from being on the bench? Yeah, well, obviously, if they, look, Roe versus Wade is an abomination. They should think that or they're not going to get my vote, right? Uh, that's, that's number one. Uh, number two, they should believe fundamentally that the job of a judge is to interpret the law, not to make the law, as liberals and unfortunately too many Republican-appointed judges have done over the past 30 or 40 years. But to me, I, you know, really when I look at a, a judicial nominee, I want to have a real conversation about what their underlying view of the Constitution is. Because unfortunately, social conservatives have done the work. We have gone to bat for judicial nominations for 30 or 40 years, and very often we get stabbed in the back. You saw this with the Harriet Myers nomination to the Supreme Court. Thank God social conservatives were able to put pressure on it. Then we got Sam Alito, who's probably one of the best Supreme Court justices right now. But at the end of the day, I want a judicial nominee who understands that the fundamental battle in America cannot be solved by another corporate tax cut. We do not need judges who tow the Chamber of Commerce line and stab social conservatives in the back. I'm going to try to figure that out when I talk to a judicial nomination. Matt Dolan, what are your red lines for a judicial nominee? So uh, it would be easy. Uh, are you going to interpret the Constitution the way it was, supposed to, way it was written? Uh, we do not need judicial activism on, on the court. I would want to make sure they're in the same uh, legal brethren, legal, uh, probably not the legal acumen of uh, Justice Scalia, but he's the role model. He's the model for how you approach a case. Uh, what does the Constitution say? What are the facts before me? And you rule that way. That would be uh, number one. And that's how we should be acting, too. The Constitution is not a matter of convenience. So this might seem controversial in this room, but I would, not, I would have voted to certify the election on January 6th because the Constitution allows for no other way to do it. If you want to federalize the election, then don't certify elections. But you can't just decide the Constitution is important on Tuesday, but not so important on Wednesday. So, of course, I'd want a judicial uh, Supreme Court who's going to go to work every day and follow the Constitution. You should expect the same from us as elected official, that that is our guiding document and how we evaluate laws and what becomes an impediment to you. The Constitution makes us the most unique nation in our country. 
It has to be dogmatically followed, not in, when it's convenient. Bernie Moreno. You know, one of the, the benefits of having uh, come to this country and having to learn about its traditions is that my mom uh, convinced me that the citizenship test was going to be the hardest thing I was ever going to go through. So I studied every word of the Declaration of Independence, who were the 60 signers, what was their story, read the 85 Federalist Papers, the dec the, and of course the Constitution. And the reality is for me, a judge, I'd ask them if their mom did the same thing for them, right? Because a lot of times what happens, they just don't understand it. They don't understand that our rights came from God is the words that mattered in the Declaration of Independence. Do you remember in the last election, Joe Biden called it the thing? That was the most offensive thing I'd ever heard a politician say. So the judges have to understand their role, which is to interpret the Constitution in the way it was written and not to write laws from the bench. We have a Congress for a reason. And I'm a little upset that in Ohio we forgot that last year during lockdowns because it was a legislature that should have been putting these orders in place and not a dictator governor. Josh Mandel. I have to uh, start by disagreeing respectfully with something that uh, Senator Dolan said. You know, Matt said he would have voted to certify the election. And I, I need to say something that I get attacked by the media for saying this. I get attacked by my opponents for saying this, but I believe it very strongly. And so I want to say it up here. I believe the election was stolen from Donald J. Trump. Listen, there's two main issues I will grill nominees for the Supreme Court on. Do they believe in protecting life from conception to natural death? Will they fight for it? Will they fight to overturn Roe v. Wade? That's number one. Number two, will they fight to defend and protect the Second Amendment to the United States Constitution? I believe the Second Amendment helps us to protect every other amendment. While we are blessed in this country to have an incredible tradition of hunting, an incredible hunting lands right here in, the, right here in Ohio and throughout the country, at the end of the day, we are given the Second Amendment to combat tyranny from the government. Jane Timken. I think one of President Trump's greatest accomplishments was the appointment of uh, almost 200 conservative judges in this country. That will have a long-term lasting effect on our constitutional rights, our First Amendment freedom of speech, our First Amendment freedom of religion that is under attack right now in this country, uh, our Second Amendment, and all of our other freedoms that are God-given. But my litmus test for judicial nominees will be that they are judges that will follow the law and the Constitution and it's the oath that they were sworn to take. What we see now, what's happening in our country right now, however, is what do the Democrats do? When they don't like the rules, they change the rules. What are the biggest things they're trying to push for now? Is packing the Supreme Court. You saw it with the Texas law. As soon as that law was put into place, um, they decided now we're going to ramp up the 
let's pack the Supreme Court. Look, folks, I've signed the Keep Nine pledge. We need a constitutional amendment to keep our court separate. This is about the separation of, of and we need to make sure that we have judges who are going to stand up and uphold our laws and protect our country. And Mike Gibbons. Our Constitution establishes three branches of government. If, you, if I'm look, you're looking for a qualification for my vote for Supreme Court Justice, it, it's going to be, are you going to legislate from the bench? Period. If you, if you believe in any sort of legislation for the bench, I can't support that judge. And that has to go all the way down to any federal judge. Every federal judge, as Jane said, Trump did a great job with it. They have to understand they're not legislators. Critical race theory actually springs from a reinterpretation of that. Um, they want to take life experience in and all this stuff. We've got to stamp this out at its roots. And, and certainly, I will never, ever support a judge that, that does not believe in, that life begins in conception. Thank you. Thank you. And we're getting really close. We are getting close, so I'll set the question up, and then we'll come back after the break and answer it. Uh, ask each of you, or maybe we'll begin with you, Mike. Uh, on Friday, the State Department revealed that there are 363 American citizens still in Afghanistan, although we were told there were around 100 at the time of the collapse because of the President Biden's bug out. What would you do to get those citizens and the legal permanent residents of the United States home? What would you urge the President to do from the Senate? I, Mike, we can get you in before you. Sure. Uh, well, first of all, what I would have done is, is now uh, much more difficult, but I, I still might do it. Um, even though the Taliban is now one of the top military forces in the world with what uh, with Biden left there, um, and I'm going to assume that those 365 all want to get out. Because I, I don't think we can assume that necessarily, but I, for the, answering this question, I will. I would send a, a military force in there. I tell the Taliban, you line up those 365 people, and if you don't, we're coming. And we're going to go in, and we're going we're to get those 365 people. That's what America's always stood for. We don't leave people behind. This is an abomination, and I will have to tell you, I would try General Milley for dereliction of duty. We are going to break now for two minutes, and I'll return. We now return to the American Leadership Forum, an evening with the Ohio candidates for U.S. Senate, live from Genoa Church in Westerville. A strong and promising America, and Joe Biden is giving us a weekend on promising America. We are now weaker on the world stage. Um, this is emboldening our enemies, and our allies feel less safe. Um, this is a national security issue, but we should never have left American citizens behind. The, the question is, what would I do? Number one, um, we know that there are private citizens who are trying to get these people out. We need to have a military plan. And I would be going to our generals. Unfortunately, our generals are ineffective, and, and General Milley should resign, and I've called for him to resign. But we need to have a plan to get our American citizens out of Afghanistan. And we should never, ever leave American citizens behind again. And as your next United States Senator, I'll make sure that I do my number one job, which is the safety and protection of the American citizens. Josh Mandel. Oh, he's coming back. I didn't see that. Sorry, Josh. Prom, took a little restroom break. 
Uh, I was actually talking to one of my Marine buddies about this this week. So th there's a lot of men and women who served in the Marine Corps, the Army, the, the Navy, the Air Force, um, who are now contractors. And they've worked and operated throughout Afghanistan, Iraq, and other countries uh, throughout, throughout the Middle East. Personally, I'm against putting any more of our military troops on the ground in Afghanistan or Iraq. Uh, I, I, I understand what... Uh, Mike was saying earlier, and I think there's a lot of, I think what Mike said is well thought out, but I would res respectfully disagree that I just don't think we should be putting more military troops on the ground, but I do think that we can use former special operators and former Marines and Navy SEALs and Green Berets who now work in the private sector um, to rescue a lot of the uh, American civilians over there. In fact, I'm not, I'm not sure if any of you saw Glenn Beck, Glenn Beck went over there and he's rescuing Americans. Hey, did you guys see Mark Zuckerberg doing that? Right? Do you see Jeff Bezos doing that? Right, these guys, they're spending their money taking themselves to space while conservatives like Glenn, Black, Glenn Beck are funding an aircraft over there to save American troops and so I think we've got to do everything we can, but we should do it from the private sector. Bernie Marino. So this is, this is going to sound very, very harsh, but we have to understand that the people that we're dealing with over there are not like us. That's just, we have to understand that. So in that context, it's very simple. We say to the Taliban, it's Sunday, it's 8 o'clock. If on Wednesday at noon, every single American isn't given free passage to an airport, we will end your country. Mike Trump. J.D. Vance. Yeah, so I, I understood the question is, what would you advise the president to do? And I think the first thing that I would do is say, look, look, Joe, uh, you've got to stop falling asleep at the podium. And, <laughs> and, and yeah, I'm telling a joke, but actually the weakness that the president of the United States reveals every single day is why we're in this problem. Because to Bernie's point, if you want to deliver a message of strength, let our people get to the airport or we will level your country, that message doesn't get through if it's delivered by a man who can't even remember uh, what he had for breakfast that day. And, and this is the problem. I think the problem we have in Afghanistan is fundamentally a problem of weakness. Um, the other thing that I, I, I'd advise the president to do is say, look, you need to tell Mark Milley and the rest of the ridiculous generals to stop worrying about their manicure policy and stop worrying about white rage and figure out how to get our people out of there. I, I tend to think that we can do it with the threat of force and a lot of private contractors. That's what we need. But to deliver that message successfully, the president has to stop being such a joke. Senator Dolan. So I hate when I see our country being weak. And we all agree that, that President Biden, that was a demonstration of weakness, tremendous sadness, a tragedy, losing 13 soldiers that never should have happened, and then to say we're going to leave Americans behind. That is incredibly weak. We've got to change that. So one of the things you do is you go there and you say to the president, let's, let's figure out a military strategy to get those boys back, to get those, those citizens back. But I'm a little different than everyone else up here, because when President Trump said we're going to withdraw from Afghanistan, I know President Trump would have done it correctly, but I would have, I would have fought as a U.S. senator, and I said it then, 
to advise not to do that. We must leave an anti-terrorism force in Afghanistan. We're not nation building. We're protecting us here in the homeland. So leaving, leaving soldiers is not easy. I have a nephew in the Air Force. I've had uncles who fought in Vietnam, World War, I, World War II, and a grandfather in World War I. So I know the, the risk. But America needs to be safe and strong. And do you think, do you think China would fly their jets around Taiwan if America was projecting strength? Well, we need people to go to Washington that not only can project strength, know how to do it. Um, who haven't I not hit on this? I get it all? Over to you. All right. So I want to talk about the Equality Act right now. The Equality Act is, uh, it is a bill that has passed Congress, is before the Senate, U.S. Senate right now. This bill would make sexual orientation and gender identity protected classes. Uh, actually, J.D. Vance alluded earlier to uh, Loudoun County, and this is the policy that was in place that allows boys to use girls' restrooms, men, and women's private spaces. Uh, I'd like to know your position on the Equality Act and why that is your position. Josh Mandel, we'll start with you. Uh, I'm fundamentally against it. Uh, I believe very strongly in something that we need to be teaching our kids. Boys are boys and girls are girls. Listen, for me, this isn't just about talking the talk. I've actually walked the walk. When I was in the state legislature, I took all the arrows because I, I represented a district that all, all these folks, and even though I was an arch conservative, hard right conservative, I had all these folks in my district who were coming in to lobby for the equivalent of the Equality Act in Columbus. And I said, no. I said, this is counter to what we believe in. It's counter to our culture. It's counter to our moral being. It's counter to the fabric of who we are as Americans. And it flies in the face and tramples on the Judeo-Christian values on which America was founded and grew strong. And so as United States Senator, I would combat it with every fiber of my being. As a father of three young kids, my son Gideon is five years old. My son Judah is seven years old. And my, son, my daughter, Rosie, is eight years old. And we send our kids to religious school because we want them to understand how God made us and the fact, like I said earlier, that there are boys and girls, period. Jane Timken. Yes. Uh, I would be a no vote on the Equality Act um, because I think it is an attack on the freedom of religion. Um, and uh, while I'm a Christian and don't believe in discrimination, I think this is fundamentally uh, an attack on religion. And also, uh, what I oppose in this is what we were talking about with biological men in women's bathrooms, biological men playing in women's sports. It puts women back. I'm a strong woman, an athlete. I do not think that men should be playing in women's sports and they should not be in our bathrooms. And let me tell you, I'm a mom, not a birthing person. And <laughs> this law is going to fundamentally affect our religious beliefs and our capacity to worship. It would force our religious institutions to provide abortions and other uh, and perform sacraments in gay marriage that is against the teachings of the Catholic Church, I would stand up and say absolutely not no to the Equality Act. Thank you. Mike Gibbons. I've got five children. Um, 
My daughter, Caitlin, was a Division I captain of, uh, of her soccer team in college. She married a, uh, a guy that played for the Cleveland Browns for six years in San Diego for two. Uh, I can't imagine my daughter being on the field, even though she's a great athlete, with her husband. She'd be, she'd be hurt badly. This, this is the most ridiculous approach to what they want to do, which is the destruction of the nuclear family. And this is the way they're getting at it. Um, I would fight it, it you know, it, it, as hard as anybody possibly could. Um, this is quasi-science. Most of these people that decide they want to be another sex decide they were uh, mistaken, 85% of them plus, uh, when they reach puberty. Um, th this is a, uh, a solution in search of a problem. Uh, Senator Dolan. Thank you. So let's be clear. There are two issues here. The first issue is whether we as Ohio businesses are going to say that you can fire somebody at will because of their sexual orientation. And I have voted in the past, and I am co-sponsoring a bill on that limited issue of saying, no, no, no. If you've been around this state, you know the number one need of employers right now is they need people to work. We need people to come here to Ohio and have a job, and we need to provide the level of security to know that if they show up for work and they do a good job, an honest job, they're going to keep their job. So that's number one. I would support that. The rest of the things we're talking about, are, first of all, are not in the Fairness Doctrine. And number two, what we've done here in Ohio is what I would do in Washington. When Upper Arlington down in Columbus started to do separate bathrooms for, based on uh, a unisex or bisex, you know what we did? We allowed Upper Arlington School District to form their own charter school. So parents can then say, nope, we're going to walk. If you do that, we're walking. Guess what? They cut it back. You've got to give the power to the, to the families, give power to the individuals. A lot of what the liberal left is doing is trying to draw that out. But the reality is we need to get people working and let them know they feel secure while they're working. Bernie Moreno. I know we're not supposed to say mean things about our opponents, but Mike, I've met your wife, Diane. My money is on your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously a lot of you don't know me. And that little bit, that's the point, because I haven't been running for political office my whole life. But Aaron, if I sat here 10 years ago, and we even had this conversation, you would have thought, this is a crazy person. Right? Because what we have lost winning arguments for the last 10 plus years. And the left continues to win losing arguments. And the reason is very simple. As conservatives, we just haven't fought and stood our ground. So often, so often we're afraid of being branded a certain way. Listen, we're all God's creatures, but at the end of the day, biological men can't play in women's sports. It's crazy, right? You can't, you know what we need equality for? Is equality of diversity of thought. Because let me tell you, that's what's missing in this country right now. So I would fight for that. And J.D. Vance. Yeah, I'd oppose the Equality Act. The thing that I really worry about with this is that if you take, for example, a Christian charity, a Christian food bank, and you have a, a, a preacher who's running it, utters a basic 
Christian truth about sexual ethics, they could face discrimination. They could face a lawsuit because of the Equality Act. It's a fundamental assault on the idea that men and women are different. It makes it impossible for us to teach that we look at this moment in our time and in our country. We need strong fathers. We need strong mothers. We need to reinforce the idea that men and women are different, and we need both of them in their complementary ways. The, the idea that you can't teach that in our schools and in our society right now, that's what the Equality Act is all about. But there's an important difference here because the issue here is not just the Equality Act, which is terrible. I take it further in the other direction. We should stop corporations from discriminating against people based on their Christian faith because the way that we win this... The way that we win this argument and lose the war is that our government will not pass the Equality Act, but if you want to work in a single company in the state of Ohio, you're going to have to mouth the progressive dogma to be able to live your life and support your family. That has to stop. We have to fight the woke corporations as much as the government. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to start with you on this one, Senator Dolan. Um, big tech is much in the news. Many people want to break up certain companies. Other people want to regulate certain companies. Some conservatives say, let the market rule. Some national security conservatives say, insert our intelligence agencies into these uh, corporations. What would you propose and what would you support as a senator as a legislative or regulatory approach to big tech? Well, the first thing on this issue, that when it came to light, is I don't delete any of my tweets. So uh, I'm a very transparent public official. And I believe I was the first one on this stage to come out and condemn the idea that the President of the United States is being taken off of social media, that the President of the United States, if they can do it to him, they can do it to any one of us and, and cut our speech off. However, what we do need to do is make sure that any avenue of speech is available. So if you break up the, break up the companies, what, what it really means is provide for more social media companies to be available so that you choose to go where you want to go. And if someone is shutting you down, you walk, you get out and the marketplace will take care of that. So we're seeing that happen with Parler and other with other media posts and President Trump himself. You know, the market we create, capitalism we create is going to allow him to create a platform. So you start getting government involved and saying, oh, no, no, we're going to break them all up. We're going to shut you down. You're going to end up stifling speech as well. So we've got to make sure that there are plenty of platforms and then let the marketplace decide who's telling the truth. And believe me, advertisers will follow. If you go to sites where you all are, they'll follow. They'll be just fine. J.D. Yeah, I, I was actually involved in, in Parler uh, right after January the 6th, and I remember when every single big technology company, Google, Apple, Facebook, uh, and even a couple of web hosts companies, basically came against Parler and said, we're going to shut your entire website down. They built a conservative alternative to Twitter. We're going to shut your entire website down, and they had the power to do that. We absolutely have to accept these companies are way too powerful, and we have to break them up. We have to create more competition in this marketplace, or we're not going to have the ability to speak our minds as conservatives. Right now in this country, if you build an alternative website, and I've invested in some of these websites. Some of them are very good, but the big tech companies are still so powerful that they can shut them down, they can shut them off the internet. We are approaching a moment in this country 
They kick the President of the United States off. They, they censor conservative middle-class Ohioans all the time. We're approaching a point in this country where four or five technology companies control what you're allowed to say, how you're allowed to say it. And at the end of the day, if they control what you're allowed to say, they'll eventually control what you're allowed to think, and that is the end of the constitutional republic in this country. We have to go to war against these companies, or they're going to destroy our country. Bernie Marino. So I, I th let me just address the woke corporation issue real quick, because the best way to fight against these woke corporations is not to take their money. So I'm very proud of the fact that I am the only candidate here that does not take any corporate PAC money, which, by the way, let me just say a plug. That means I need the help from all of you. All right, so make sure you know that, BernieMarino.com, click, it's easy. All right, so now that we got that out of the way, there's two buckets of companies that are very different. Google and Amazon need to, Google needs to be separated from all of its other entities and be regulated like a utility. That's something I talked to the Attorney General here in Ohio about three years ago. Uh, in terms of Amazon, Amazon, the, the business that puts small businesses out of business, that's one entity. And AWS, which is where all of your data is stored, is a separate company, needs to be a separate company, and that needs to be regula regulated like utility because that's who shut down Parler. And then these other companies, you need to do two things. You need to have a one-click unsubscribe. If I want to get out of Facebook, I hit one button, and all of my data is transported to whatever other platform I can put my data into. And secondly, if they sell your data, you get a piece of the pie. That's the only way to fix it. Jane. Yes. Uh, I think clearly uh, big tech corporations are in bed with the liberal left. And I think that they're incredibly way too powerful. Uh, it, and they are threatening the conservative voices. We're in a situation right now that if you speak up against vaccine mandates or mask mandates, you could be silenced. If you speak up in support of your constitutional right to keep and bear arms, you can be silenced. We need people who are going to stand up and push back against these big tech corporations. Look, they're provided Section 230 immunity, and that was for a free and open um, Internet. But that's not what we have right now. These corporations are picking and choosing what you see and what you hear and what you can say. That needs to stop. They should not have immunity, and they should be broken up. The problem is, if they break up and we have alternative conservative platforms, they can be affected by what these other corporations are doing. We need to make sure that we have a free and fair dialogue in this country. It's about our First Amendment freedom of speech. I'm in this race to stand up and fight for your freedoms. Your First Amendment freedom of speech is paramount to me. Mike Gibbons. <clears throat> and by the way, Bernie, I want to call attention to something you said. I do have an MBA. That is business school. Yes, sir. In fact, I even taught there. <laughs> um, secondly, um, I, I'm an investment banker, and uh, you know my job has been convincing CFOs and CEOs all over the world that my ideas were the right ideas. I work with antitrust law every time we do a deal. Uh, existing antitrust law cannot be used here, but maybe with the possible exception of Amazon. Antitrust laws were built to protect consumers. I think the way to attack the social media is on a First Amendment basis. And I'll tell you why. Um, I'm sure you heard Jen Pataki, or Pisaki, say that 
she indeed was conspiring with Facebook to take certain things off the internet, to, to uh, cancel certain people. Um, there's a thing called the First Amendment. The government is now using Facebook as an instrumentality of the government. If that isn't a violation of the First Amendment, I'd like to find out what is. Josh Mandel. All right, so I've been thinking about this idea for a while, and I, I guess I'll throw it out there and see what you guys think. So in the elections, Facebook, Twitter, Google, all these like Silicon Valley thugs, they kick Republican candidates, especially pro-God, pro-gun, pro-Trump candidates like myself, they kick us off. They suspend us, what have you. So here's my idea. If a conservative candidate gets kicked off of Facebook or kicks off, kicked off of Twitter or any of these platforms, it, and they let the Democrats stay on, essentially what Facebook or Twitter, these companies are doing, they are making a multi-million dollar in-kind contribution to the Democrat. Federal campaign finance law says that you're only allowed to give 5,800 bucks to a candidate. So if they're making a multi-million dollar corporate contribution to a candidate, that's in violation of federal law. Put on their criminal penalties, put Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey and all these thugs in prison. So eight months out and the attack ads are already flying all over the place. Uh, I want to I go to each candidate. I've got an individual question for each one of you that I want to give you the opportunity to respond to uh, and, and, and share your perspective on. We'll start with J.D. J.D., in the past, you were very critical of President Trump. Today, not so much. Today, you're praising him. Why the switch? Why, why, what happened? Yeah, well, you know, like a lot of conservatives, I think that uh, in 2016, I'd been let down too many times. I didn't think that any politician would deliver on their promises. And President Trump proved me wrong. And uh, I'm proud to say not just that I've been supporting President Trump, but I've been one of a few people who's been publicly, nationally, aggressively pushing for his agenda, for some of his policies, and defending the president personally for the past several years. Uh, so I think it's important to, to admit when you're wrong. I'm not going to hide from the fact that I criticized Trump in 2016. I'm also not going to hide from the fact that I think I've been one of his strongest advocates. Um, and that's, that's important. Both sides of those things are, are important. Now, it's interesting because the organization uh, that is on, that has just purchased a million dollars of negative ads against me is the Club for Growth, which I call the Club for Chinese Growth, because they have been the organization that has been most aggressive in shipping our manufacturing jobs off to China and destroying the American industrial base. Now, what did they say about Donald Trump in 2016? What did their president say about Donald Trump in 2016? They said far worse things, and they spent far more money against Donald Trump than I ever did. Why are they attacking me? It's not because they didn't like what I said five years ago. It's because I'm the guy saying we need tariffs to protect our manufacturing base from the thugs in China. That's why they're attacking me. Matt Dolan, uh, you brought up earlier when we were talking about the Equality Act, you brought up the Ohio Fairness Act. Uh, the Ohio Fairness Act says sexual orientation and gender identity are protected classes in the state. And there's the question about gender identity and how it allows men who identify in women in private spaces. Now, you're saying that's not in the bill, and there's disagreement about that. Would you propose an amendment to the Ohio Fairness Act that's in the legislature right now, 
would you propose an amendment to clarify uh, that men cannot be in private spaces, girls cannot be in uh, boys' sports, and, and, and so on? So it is very clear in the fairness doctrine today that that is not in there. So, uh, so yes, that's easy because I already, we've already done that. We made sure it was very specific. Look, I know I'm not the flashiest guy. I'm not going to say things that are going to get you all fired up as, as much as my opponents. But the reality is I'm a public servant who has brought my 31 years as a lawyer and 22 years as a businessman to public service to fight for you. And sometimes to fight for you isn't always a clear and obvious way. And if any of you are employers out there, you know right now you need help. You need work. You know, we're going to lose a congressman this year because Ohio's not gaining population at the rate the other parts of the country are. Well, why do you think some of that may be? Is because maybe we're not just saying to folks, look, we want you to come here and do an honest day's work. And we're going to protect you when you do, irrespective of what your sexual orientation is. You know, there are other issues about men in women's rooms. Those will go away. Those, we will not do that in Ohio. But why in Ohio do we want to say to anyone, to any person, don't come here to Ohio because you're not going to be able to work? That's wrong. So Josh Mandel... Uh, in 2012, uh, you ran against uh, Sherrod Brown for uh, U.S. Senate and lost 51-44. Why do you think you'll win this time? Uh, sure. It was the closest U.S. Senate race in 36 years in the state of Ohio at the, same, at, at the time, but I did come up short. My personal feeling is I think anyone up here on this stage will beat Tim Ryan. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, uh, but I do believe anyone up here on this stage will beat Tim Ryan. As I said earlier, and I really want to hammer this home, the fight we're in, it is a fight for the soul of the Republican Party. It is a fight for the soul of the conservative movement. Our party in Washington has let us down. There's a lot of Republicans who campaign as conservatives, and then they get to Washington, and they govern like Democrats. Think about what Kasich did here in Ohio. Think about that. And so if you want to know what kind of senator I'll be, I will be a thorn in the side of not just the secular left, not just the media, but I'll be a thorn in the side of the squishy establishment Republicans as well. And for me, it's not just talk. I've done it. When Kasich tried to do the Obamacare Medicaid expansion, I took him on. When Kasich tried to do the Common Core, I took him on. When Kasich wanted to leave the state's finances in the dark, I put the state of Ohio's checkbook online. Thank you, Josh. Jane, uh, when you were Ohio GOP chairwoman, Anthony Gonzalez, congressman from Northeast Ohio, voted to impeach President Trump. He voted with the Democrats on that. Uh, at the time, you said he had a rational reason for doing that. Uh, then, a few months ago, you called for Anthony to resign. Why the change in position? Well, first of all, I'm the only one up on this stage who was fighting against the first impeachment of the attempt of the Democrats impeachment of President Trump and the second impeachment. And I've made it very clear I disagreed with Anthony Gonzalez's vote. I'm the only one who actually has been in the trenches fighting for our conservative values for the last five years. 
I'm the one that's been traveling Ohio, helping candidates up and down the ballot because I believe in our conservative cause. I believe that we live in the greatest country in the face of this earth, and I want to protect it. Look, I'm the America First real grassroots candidate. I'm the one that took on John Kasich. When they told me you shouldn't run against his handpicked chair, I did it. And I will not back down. I did it with the support of President Trump, and I'm going to Washington, D.C. to fight for the America First agenda, the Ohio First agenda, and our families first. It's about our freedoms and our family, and that's why I'm in this fight. So, Mike Gibbons, uh, in 2018, you ran for U.S. Senate, and you lost to Jim Renacci at the time by 14 to 15 points. And of all the candidates on the stage right now, while you've invested significant personal resources, you've raised the least from individual voters. Why do you think you're the right one to, to win this race and that doesn't bring, that brings something that these other candidates don't bring? Well, first of all, um, as with uh, our strategy evolves, I can guarantee you, I've raised billions and billions of dollars in my lifetime as an investment banker. I will raise as much money as I need to win this election. Um, in 2018, I was a new, a, a new candidate. Uh, I frankly ran, and then the other candidate dropped out. Um, at that point in time, the Republican Party saw an opportunity, and they brought Donald Trump in to campaign against me. I was Donald Trump's 2016 state co-chair. And by the way, Donald Trump campaigned against me and didn't know he was. He was just told to come out and support Jim Renacci. I'll raise as much money as I need, and if I can't raise it, I'll put it in. And, and I believe you put your money where your mouth is. And I'm willing to do that. Um, we have a strategy. We think we can win this. And, and uh, I don't think I'm going to have Donald Trump campaigning against me this time. And I might add, just to show you my loyalty to Donald Trump, I gave him a large donation in 2016. I gave him 50% more in 2020 after he campaigned against me. Thank you, Mike. Bernie, last with you. Uh, there's an organization called Ohio Business Competes that's a coalition of businesses that's advocating for the Ohio Fairness Act, making sexual orientation and gender identity protected classes in the state of Ohio. Bernie Moreno Companies is listed on the website as one of the co-signers in support of this bill. Why do you support that bill, or why did you decide to sign on to Ohio Business Competes? I'm not aware of that. I don't know what that is. Um, you know, we had a large organization. I have no idea about any of that. Um, but I can tell you this, for me, um, this race is about sending the different kinds of people to D.C. You know, we did lose in 12, we did lose in 18 against a guy who doesn't represent Ohio's values. We should have won both those elections. And had we won in 2018, we wouldn't be sitting here praying for Joe Manchin every single day. Because we'd have a 51-49 Senate. It's a race we should have won. And the way we win elections is by sending a clear message that we're not going to send the same old, same old people to a broken place like D.C. and expect a different result. This isn't the path that I would have chosen in my life. I'm not doing this to get a job. I'm not doing this for a salary. I'm not doing this to monetize my job. I'm doing this because this country gave me every opportunity on earth to succeed. And if only for America, 
I would not be able to do this. I'm going to put the service back into public service, and that's what we need in D.C. Thank you very much. Thank you. This is a strategic and military question, and should any of you win through to the Senate, you could end up on armed services, intel, or um, foreign affairs and have to deal with it every day. But every senator has to deal with national security. Uh, two weeks ago, we learned that the People's Republic of China launched on long-range uh, missiles into space and then had glide missiles detached, circle the hypersonic glide missiles, circle and use a new fractional ability to strike multiple targets at once. I'll begin with you, Josh Bandel. What is the significance of this, and what do you think the United States ought to do in response? I believe the Chinese uh, think in terms of generations and centuries. And one of the problems with our politicians in Washington is that they're thinking in terms of 24-hour news cycle and elections. And so, by no means do I believe that military service uniquely qualifies someone for public office, uh, but I do believe that at this moment in time in American history, our country would be better served with more military veterans in the United States Senate and in the United States House. In fact, when I was in the Marine Corps, I did some intelligence work uh, in two tours in Ambar province. and. There, the threat was radical Islam. Now, the threat is the Chinese Communist Party. I believe through the intelligence community, uh, through economic sanctions, through diplomacy, we can tighten certain economic nooses on the Chinese Communist Party. However, I am strongly against putting our boys and girls into another war. You have folks in the foreign policy establishment in the Republican Party and in Washington who want to wage war with China because they're going to make a lot of Thank money you, off of it. And I think we need to be done with military adventurism. No more sending our boys and girls overseas. J.D., I want to turn to you about the hypersonics from China. What should the military and strategic answer be if you're a senator? Well, I think one of the reasons we have to accept why this happened is because the Chinese have built a military industrial complex that's really oriented around stealing American technology. That, that's a big part of the reason why this happened, right? It, it, and so if we're going to solve this problem, I think we have to actually build our own technological capacity and not basically defend, depend on our own broken military industrial complex. I mean, we have three major companies Raytheon, Lockheed, and Boeing in this company, or this country, that do the revolving door. They hire generals and congressmen to sit on their boards, and they do in their contracting basically nothing. They rob the American taxpayers blind. Their shareholders get very wealthy, and we fall further and further behind the Chinese in the technological arms race. The thing we must do as a military matter, as a legislative matter, is actually hold the defense contractors in this company to account. We have to catch up where we've fallen behind technologically to China. But there are areas, thankfully most areas, where we're still ahead of the Chinese technologically. At the end of the day, we're not going to fight a war based on manpower with China. They've got 1.3 billion people, and they don't seem to care that much about them. If we're going to beat China, it's going to be technology. We've got to invest in our technological capacity to defeat the Chinese. Bernie Marino, is this, uh, is this an urgent issue of a missile gap, or is it indeed a military-industrial complex issue? I think it's a, an issue that all of us in this room paid for that military. Every single one of us that buys Chinese-made goods, that 
voted for Republicans and Democrats that shipped our jobs overseas, paid for that Chinese military. Just acknowledgement, number one. So how do you fix that? Well, we have to immediately start on a process to disentangle ourselves from China. In my case, I owned a Buick dealership, and all of you who buy Buicks probably think you buy Buicks because you want an American-made car. Those are the people I met in my showroom. When Buick closed the factory in Michigan to open a factory in China and ship those cars to the U.S., I sent a letter to General Motors, don't ship me one. That car will not be on my lot. General Motors sent me not a very nice letter back. All kinds of threats. You'll never be another GM dealer again. You'll never do this. We're gonna... And I stood my ground and did not sell that car because I knew that the consumers that walked in my showroom were thinking they were buying an American car when in reality they were buying a Chinese-made car that had replaced American factory workers. We have to stop that process. And the threat now is Taiwan. I've been talking about that since the beginning. We have to make semiconductor chips that we design here in America, here in Ohio. Mike Gibbon, military strategic threat or a business threat? I believe in peace through strength. I want our military to be the strongest in the world without question, because that's how we stay out of foreign wars. Um, I mentioned I have five kids. One of, my, one of my sons is a Navy pilot. The last thing I want to think about before I go to sleep every night is Joe Biden is the commander in chief. Um, China does not have our technological capability. And uh, I'm reminded of that pretty much every time I talk to my son um, about it. In fact, if they'd have this new weapon, they probably stole it from us. I believe we are, are working on something that, that will handle that threat. I, I have faith in, in our, uh, our military. Um, but I will tell you, trying to cut back on military spending, is, is, it's not the right time. Now, China spends about one-third of what we spend on military. And as J.D. mentioned, we're wasting a lot of money. But I will tell you, I will fight for the biggest military budget possible, and I think we need to do a, a better job of oversight. Jane? Yes. Um, it is clear to me that China is our greatest adversary militarily and economically, um, and we need people who understand that threat. Uh, it, Jen Psaki from the podium just this last week said, we welcome competition. Uh, this is not ping pong, folks. This is real. Um, and currently, as it stands right now, it is our Sputnik moment. It is the time where America needs to get into the game. These uh, glided hypersonic missiles, um, are we cannot defend against them with our ballistic missile shields. And so it is a major threat to global stability and a major threat to American security. We need to make sure that we're investing in the technology that can defeat this. We need to have peace through strength. Ronald Reagan won a Cold War without firing a shot, but we need to make sure that China fears us again. And right now, with the feckless leaders of people like Joe Biden, and by the way, Barack Obama tried to defund the research of these glided missile, um, uh, glided missile research back when he was president. The Democrats want to defund the military. We need peace through strength. We need to stand up for our country. And it, it, we need to get where our enemies fear us and our allies respect us, and we protect Thank the American you. citizens. Senator Dolan. 
Thank you. So China is flexing their muscles because President Biden is projecting incredible weakness on our behalf of the United States. So as a states, as a U.S. senator, I would be relentless in making sure that any statement coming out of Washington projects strength. That our allies in Taiwan know that any acts of aggression towards them will be met with equal acts of aggression. There are allies in Europe. There are all, all our allies in the Asia Pacific. But they need to become economic allies as much as they are military allies. Because once we open up other markets that we trade with, fair trade, and put pressure on China, they have to start looking inward. When they start looking inward, they have their problems. But we have to be real where tomorrow's war is going to be. And it's not going to be tanks lining up on the border. It's not even going to be missiles. It's going to be they're going to attack our cyber security. They're going to attack our grid. They're going to shut our power down. So anytime we have an opportunity to invest in improving our grid, to not only protect it so our daily lives, but to protect it from anybody to hack it, that's what that infrastructure bill would have put some of that money to. Protecting the grid against for security. Here. I want to go back to uh, education uh, here briefly. As, as we mentioned, Hugh and I are both Warren guys. I'm Warren G. Harding, class of 2005. He is JFK, class of doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> but Terry McAuliffe in the uh, Virginia uh, governor's race uh, recently said, uh, parents shouldn't tell schools what to teach. Uh, Bernie Moreno, I'm going to start with you on this. Uh, how do we fix the crisis in schools right now? We have people in here that have been filling uh, city council and school board meetings. Uh, how do we fix the crisis in schools right now to make them more responsive to parents? The crisis, Aaron, isn't just a crisis in our schools. The crisis is that our leaders, the people who we elected, have misunderstood how this whole relationship works. We will work for you. You're in charge, not us. Right? So. That's not just at school. The parents are in charge of school. All, for some reason, they think the school board administrators think that it's th they're in charge of our kids. It doesn't work that way. Last year, when lockdowns happened, did you ever imagine that your government would tell you to stay home, not go to work, and that your job and your business was not essential? Right? Because they thought they could tell you those things. And by the way, we failed that test to a large extent. We won't ever fail that test again. Aaron, this is a question of Freedom and liberty comes from God. It does not come from government. And we will never, ever, ever let any elected official tell us that they are in charge. Josh Mandel, we'll come to you next. It's got me ready to run through the brick wall. I agree with Bernie on all of that. Listen, I got to tell you what happened to me the other night. So I've been going around to school board meetings all around the state to try to have the backs of moms and dads. So I spoke at one in West Geauga, which is up in Geauga County. No problem. I mean, the school board looked at me with hairy eyeball, but, you know, they were, they let me speak. So then I get invited by a group of moms to the Lakota School Board. It's one of the biggest school districts in Ohio. It's in, in Butler County. And the mom gets up there and she says, you know, in accordance with the school board rules, I'm going to yield my time to Josh Mandel. And I got up there and talked about how awful critical race theory is, that it's teaching kids to be racist, that it's separating our kids down racial lines, it's stomping on the grave of Martin Luther King. I got up there and I talked about how these mask mandates, the, the politicians should be ashamed 
They have no right to tell us as moms and dads whether or not we put masks on our, on our kids. It's, it's, it's up to parents. And, I, and I, I said to the school board, shame on you for telling moms and dads to force them to put masks on their kids. It's, it's a parental decision. And I talked about the comprehensive sex education where they're trying to teach kindergartners to pick their gender, all this stuff. I got to tell you what happened. The school board president said, Sheriff, kick this guy out of there. I was escorted out by the sheriff. So the answer to your question is, we fight. That's what we do. We fight. Senator Dolan, I want to come to you on this. Uh, we, in this last state budget, there was an expansion of, of school choice programs. Right now, uh, people have been seeing the ads for the backpack bill uh, that's moving at the state house. What, what do you think we do uh, on this issue of bringing uh, schools more responsive to parents? Well, first of all, as your U.S. Senator, if the Justice, Justice Department ever said while I was in Washington that parents who go to school boards to complain about what their kids are learning are equivalent to domestic terrorism, that would stop. That, would, that is unbelievable, that expression of speech, expression of your child's welfare uh, in a public entity which is supposed to serve you somehow is becoming a bad thing. That would end. So it is about returning power to you. And that's exactly what I've done in my time in Columbus is you've expanded the ability for you as parents to decide where your child should be educated. We have got to get away from this idea of caring where a child gets educated and focus on making sure a child gets the education they need. So right now, we, we fund our public schools. We need to hold them a little more accountable. We allow you to leave. The backpack bill is, is a step in the right direction to say your tax dollars maybe should be more following the student so you have the ability to control your own education. If you don't like what's happening, you can walk. And eventually, eventually, because of the very brave individuals around this state who are running for school board, the school board will understand who runs, who is responsible for the kids' education, and that's the parents. J.D. Vance. Yeah, so I, I think about the ideology of the left, which is basically that they want to control what our children learn. And I think our conservative idea is that parents and families should determine what children learn, what values they are brought up with. You know, the, the, so many of the leaders of the left, and I hate to be so personal about this, but they're people without kids trying to brainwash the minds of our children. And that really disorients me and it really disturbs me. Randy Weingarten, who's the head of the most powerful teachers union in the country, she doesn't have a single child. If she wants to brainwash and destroy the minds of children, she should have some of her own and leave ours the hell alone. But I think the one thing that we can do, I mean, I agree with the backpack bill. I think it's an important piece of legislation. There are things that we can do. We should support our local school board members uh, who are running to try to overturn some of this craziness in our schools right now. But one thing that we can do is stop the cancer from spreading, and the cancer starts at our universities. Universities should not get a dime of our money if they teach our children radical ideology. We have to start with the schools. Jane. Yes. I believe that education is the key to the American dream. And as I said previously, we are failing our children. Um, we are falling further and further behind. Right now in Ohio, kids who graduate from our high schools need remedial math and English when they go to college. And so when we talk about competing with China and competing on a global stage, 
we are not educating our children who are going to be the scientists and computer scientists and engineers to make us globally competitive. So we need to, to fundamentally reform our education. I'm a, I, I agree with the backpack bill. I think it is an important step that we give parents the choice of how and where their children are educated. I'm the product of a, of a parochial school education. My parents believed in religious education, and I think that that should be an afforded opportunity to all parents. The teachers' union is controlling too much of our education and too much of our children's lives. And we all know that when the, the they wanted the Biden administration to, you know, force vaccine mandates on our children. It needs to stop. I talked to a mom today who's very concerned about her five-year-old getting vaccinated, and it's mandated by Joe Biden, the Democrat. Last mic. You want to solve this problem? You vote. And I'll tell you what, I, for many years, didn't have any idea who I was voting for for the school board. The school board determines what your kids are going to learn. They hire the superintendent. They hire the wacky consultants that come in and set up the various programs. Uh, it's that simple. And, uh, you know, I've now donated to 73 individual school board candidates in this election. I've given speeches all over the state. Um, I'm not sure whether going and getting thrown out of a school board meeting is better, uh, but I know it, this. Uh, the way I fight is putting my money where my mouth is. And all of us have to do it. Uh, and I'll tell you this, you give us a majority in the Senate that's filibuster-proof, uh, and, and uh, a majority in the House that's filibuster-proof, and the first bill I will offer is to shut down the Department of Education. They have no right involved in our... They have no right to be involved in, in a state educational program. The second one, again, we need to filibuster proof, is we need to shut down a public union called the Teachers Union. It's an we instrumentality of the Democrat Party. We are approaching the penultimate round. For the benefit of the Steelers fans, that means second to last. I'll go Aaron goes, I go Aaron goes. I believe Republicans are conservationists, beginning with TR. RN signed the uh, Endangered Species Act, the Clean Water Act, Clean Air Act, National Environmental Policy Act. I believe we believe climate change is real and that we would be concerned with it. But I go to Warren and I talk to my family, climate change is not on their agenda. Where is climate change on yours, Jane? Yes. No, look, we live in a beautiful state, in a beautiful country, and we should be protecting our land and our water, um, but not at the expense of jobs and not at the expense of people's livelihood. What we have coming from the Democrats is their push for the Green New Deal. And it is, I call it the Trojan horse to socialism. It will control the majority of our economy in the name of climate change. And it, look, it's affecting jobs. Even the AFL-CIO came out against the Green New Deal. They want to uh, eliminate fossil fuels. We cannot manufacture and produce in, in Ohio if we don't have reliable sources of energy. We can't make products like steel or bearings if you don't have real valuable energy. And if you can't produce it with wind and solar, that's a problem for manufacturing. 
we need to make sure that we are making sure that our jobs are available. That's my priority, because if we don't have the capacity to provide jobs and produce for families, I'm not sure what we have. Mike Gibbons. I've kind of had an up-close and personal look at a lot of, uh, of, of the uh, environmental uh, solutions. I've uh, looked at many windmills, uh, many solar projects. They don't work unless the government supports them. And as been said, it is, it's more of a political thing than, than anything else. Um, I'm not sure how much humans play a part in, in climate change. Climate change has been going on throughout world history. Uh, and I can tell you, I was the lead banker in the Lordstown deal that Bernie uh, referred to. I actually wrote the first words that were written about that company. And there's going to be a manufacturing plant in Lordstown now. It's going to produce electric vehicles. But I can tell you, I didn't do that deal because of carbon. I did that deal because electric cars are far more efficient and cost-saving than, than gas vehicles. And I think this, this country is, is ready for electric vehicles. And I determined that and spent a lot of time on it. It has to work in the free market. It has to work or it's never going to get done. Let me go to Bernie because he's shaking his head down there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I know a little bit of this. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the electric market is 2% of the market. Uh, that's with insane subsidies. Uh, $7,500 for every billionaire that drives a Tesla that comes out of your pocket. Thank you very much. Tesla controls two-thirds of the electric vehicle market, so you take two-thirds of 2%, you can see what the rest of the population thinks about electric cars. Uh, number two, 75% of lithium-ion batteries come from China. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you want to be dependent on China for transportation? Seems like a really, really bad idea. China makes 80% of the world's solar panels and uses 5%, while at the same time building a new coal-fired plant every single solitary month. Is it? The problem we have is that we have leaders that are so beholden to China. They're so corrupted by the money from the CCP that they make decisions that affect their pocketbook instead of decisions that affect you, the American people. What we have to do is listen. This planet is a gift from God. None of us in this crowd would ever, ever do anything to deface this planet. We should be great stewards of this planet. But we're not going to do it in a way that cripples America and benefits China. That's just insane. Josh Mandel. I'm looking out here at this room of conservatives. As a conservative, it's insulting to me when the Democrat Party or the media insinuates that we don't care about clean air or clean water. We care about our kids and our grandkids, and so of course we want our kids, grandkids, families to have clean air and clean water and a green environment you know, for, for future generations. So I think as conservatives, we need to go on offense and just call the Democrats liars, because here's what they're doing. The Democrats are advancing policies like the Paris Accords and other environmental policies that benefit China, benefit India, and screw over American workers. And so when we think of environmental policy, or we think of 
natural gas and coal and other natural resources beneath our feet, we should explore for them and mine for them in an environmentally sound way, but we should have rules and regulations that put Americans first and the United States of America first. The, the, the problem with the liberal policies is that they're China first, India first, Islamic countries first, and as a United States Senator, when I think about environmental policy, I'm going to put America and Ohio first. Senator Dolan. You know, if you haven't figured out by now, I'm probably a pretty practical person. Sometimes tonight I felt like a Browns fan in Pittsburgh Stadium. The reality is there are opportunities here, and you get folks who can get things done. In 2008, I, there was a China company that wanted to have Minnesota ship them some of the okay, some good news water. during a challenging time so for than everybody. Just rant and rave. Guess what I did? I worked with the seven other Great Lakes states and two Great Lakes, two provinces of Canada to create the Great Lakes Compact, which simply said, if you want our water, which we have an abundance of, you are coming to the Great Lakes region to site your business. We're not shipping your water out. But why that's important is because, look, whether it's climate change, whether it's man-made or not, there are droughts out west. And there are manufacturing companies right now who are being told, well, on Monday you get water, on Tuesday you don't, maybe on Wednesday, but Thursday again. It doesn't matter what the cause of that is. That manufacturer is going to say, I, I'm done. I, enough. I'm going to where the economy is set up the natural resources are available, and that we have a trained workforce, and that's right here in Great, Great Lakes. So you take advantage of it, and you make sure Ohio benefits from it. J.D. Vance. Yeah, I absolutely think of the tradition of Teddy Roosevelt, we should care about the environment. Absolutely. I think every person in this room would agree with that. Uh, but let's talk about the pollutants that are in our water. Let's talk about the fact that our food system is a disaster. It's making us unhealthy and miserable. Instead of talking about a bunch of ridiculous policies that the Democrats constantly push that, to the point other folks have made, sends a ton of money to China, the dirtiest c country and the dirtiest economy in the entire world. Like, if they care so much about climate change and they think climate change is caused by carbon emissions, then why is their solution to scream about it at the top of their lungs, send a ton of our jobs to China, and then manufacture these ridiculous, ugly windmills all over Ohio farms that don't produce enough electricity to run a cell phone on? And that's basically the problem here, is that there isn't a real set. I mean, look, we need to have good electricity. I'm skeptical of the idea that climate change is caused purely by man. And that's basically the argument that they're making. It's been changing, as others pointed out, it's been changing for millennia. However, I absolutely want us to have clean energy. I want us to have as much energy as possible. Let's research new technologies in America rather than buy lithium-ion batteries, which are dirty, from China. So in 2020, according to the Ohio Department of Health, we had a 25% increase in drug overdose deaths in the state of Ohio, actually the highest in the last decade. And, uh, and actually, according to one news report in Trumbull County, our home county, they're already exceeding their number of overdose deaths uh, this year than last year. Uh, so Mike Gibbons, I want to hear from you. How do you diagnose this problem? What's causing this problem? And what are you, would you do about it as U.S. Senator? Well, what's causing it is, uh, is addiction. <laughs> it's that simple. And it's not an easy thing to beat. A uh, number of years ago, I, I started an addiction clinic. Uh, uh, it, was, it was kind of a 
unusual for me. I don't know that much about addiction. I don't think other than food I've ever been addicted to anything. Um, but I learned a lot about it. And, uh, you know, and I don't think just stopping uh, the drugs at the border is going to solve it. We're still going to have addicts. The fentanyl coming over here is, is a national disaster. Uh, every couple of months, enough fentanyl comes in this country to, uh, to kill the entire population. And we have to stop it. The only way to do that is building a wall. Uh, I think people are going to still using drug, use drugs, but I will tell you this, and, and this is my experience. Our method of treating these people was using a very inexpensive coenzyme, and we were getting an 85% success rate. The FDA stood in our way. Consequently, I've shut the clinic, and we're now going for an FDA approval. Uh, but there are solutions out there, and they're not re-addicting them through the use of other drugs, which is what is going on right now. Bernie Moreno. Take the answer anywhere. The mobile app. Tune in. iHeart or Odyssey. This is WTOHFM HD1, Upper Arlington, Columbus. Online at 989theanswer.com. Kids to drug addictions and suicides. As a dad of four, I can't even fathom what I would do if I were in a situation where that happened to me personally. And the reality is all this was extraordinarily avoidable. That's what makes it worse. Last year, we knew we had a virus that was dangerous. Nobody disputed that. But what we did was criminal. And I spoke out about this in March, in April, in May, in June. And I felt like a little bit like I was singing in the wind. Because the reality is what we did when we shut down our schools, when we closed urban schools for 18 months in the case of some in Cleveland, what did we expect was going to happen? When we told people they couldn't go to work and we robbed them of their dignity and had the government tell them that they were not essential, what do we think was going to happen? One of the things that makes me gravely sad, because it's the only word I can think of, is that we didn't have enough Republicans, people who have dramatically larger platforms than me, speak out then. Jane Tipton. Yes. So we had record overdoses in Ohio, as you said, um, and there are several causes for it. Um, number one is the huge increase in drugs coming across our southern border. So clearly we need to build the wall and shut down the, the southern border. Um, but I think it's more than that. It's a mental health issue. Uh, I served on ComQuest, which uh, deals with drug and alcohol addiction. Um, the root cause of a lot of reasons why people turn to drugs and alcohol is depression, they're self-medicating. Uh, I think we need to be focusing more on the mental health issues of our children and our adolescents. Uh, and we, I think in society, clearly, uh, as a Christian mom, we are not giving our kids the tools to deal with society. Uh, they're inundated with uh, indoctrination and social media that is harming them. But we need, as a federal government, to make sure we're not putting up barriers to treatment. Um, in fact, uh, there are so many regulations in our addiction services treatments that it makes it almost impossible to increase the number of people that you can treat. Um, but we also need to be uh, going after the drug cartel and the criminals and enforcing the, these laws because we need to hold criminals accountable for what they're doing. 
J.D. Vance. Yeah, this is this is so complicated, but a couple of thoughts. So, you know, some of you may know that I've had, um, you know, a number of folks in my family have had pretty significant addiction issues. And so, you know, I was raised by my mamaw and papaw, my grandparents, uh, in part because of the addiction issues that, that existed in my family. I think the first thing that we have to recognize is that the addiction problem, while it primarily affects the addict, there is an entire generation of grandparents taking care of grandbabies that they didn't plan for, and we have got to support those people and help them out. That is the number one thing that we have to recognize. Uh, it, it, is, it is what will turn this into a multi-generational population devastating problem. We need to honor and respect the grandparents. We need to treat the grandparents as well as we treat foster parents in our, in our country and in our state. We need to defend the people who are actually standing up and taking care of all these kids who have been orphaned by this problem. Um, the, the, the second thing that I, I just wanna say is it is criminal and vile that a president of the United States, knowing that 100,000 of his own people are dying from this terrible problem, is letting 400% more fentanyl across the southern border than this time last year. There's only so much we can do, but we need to close the border to the drug cartels, stop it from coming into our country. Matt Dolan. So we, uh, again, it's what you see a problem, you try to fix a problem. So fentanyl is coming in from the southern border. We've talked about that. We all want to close it. Uh, we should have done it by law. It's also coming from China. But what, what I've done is recognize that there are stages. So we have to keep the criminals so we, we, uh, you know, in jail. So we increase the ability. If you sell drugs, you're going to jail more. But if you're a user of drugs, we've now allowed for longer stay rehabilitation. That was the hole we were missing in Ohio that you get sober for three days, then you go home right back into the same environment. We've now allowed for that to be extended. And I fought the insurance companies for four years to put a bill into place that is the first in the country. You know, who, is, who spends their whole life making sure that they understand medications? That's the pharmacist. Who was cut out of the, our healthcare team? The pharmacist. Who was blocking them? The insurance companies. I have fought hard in all Ohio, if I, as soon as I can get the bureaucrats to put it, put it in place, Ohio will be the first nation in the state that when somebody is presented with a pain problem or pain addictions or it comes out of surgery, for the first time, a pharmacist will be part of that standard of care to make sure that person is not going to get addicted to pain pills and start the very terrible cycle from there. And last, Josh Mandel. The, the question was, what is, what is the problem? Where did it come from? So I think it comes from three places. It comes from China, who's manufacturing fentanyl and making sure it comes over here. It comes from Mexico, where the cartels and the government, I think, are facilitating it across the border. And it comes from the fact that politicians, unfortunately, Democrat and Republican politicians over many generations, have thought that government was a solution. I personally believe that houses of worship like this are the solution. That in, in, instead of empowering bureaucrats and politicians to solve this, empower the church. And I think, you know, I, all of us, like I, I had a cousin who, who died from complications from addiction and struggled his life. I know there's so many families out here who have experienced the same. But a lot of us also have family members and friends who were struggling. I have Marine buddies who are struggling, and they turned 
to faith, and they made a comeback. And the problem is the way the framers of the Constitution, the founders of this country envisioned America, it wasn't that government was going to be the solution. It was that the church was going to be the solution. My last question, and thank you all. You've all been very respectful of each other and, and embraced the rules, is about debates. Uh, because you have two conservatives asking questions, the questions have been of interest to conservatives. So, um, and if my friends in the legacy media had been here, you would have been asked about January 6th, and then January 6th, then you would have been asked about January 6th, which was terrible, but then you would have been asked about Donald Trump's role in January 6th. Instead, we've been talking about issues. Two-part question. Uh, we'll do this again in the end of March. Will you come? And then secondly, if you are the nominee, will you reject any attempt to have a debate with Tim Ryan that consists of a local PBS host who will be a liberal, a local plane dealer writer who will be a liberal, and a Cincinnati Enquirer writer who will be a liberal, and then they'll fly in someone from D.C. who, though not declared, will be a liberal. Jane. <laughs> oh. Well, first of all, yes, I'd welcome to come back in March. It would be an honor, and thank you for hosting such a wonderful event. I really appreciate it. Um, and <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just so flabbergasted with so many... Look, any debate, I will take on Tim Ryan. Um, I'm a former rugby player. I know how to tackle some Democrats, and I can't wait to tackle Tim Ryan. Senator Dolan. Yes, thank you, everybody. I know it's been a long night. It's a long night for you, and I, I really appreciate you listening to us, uh, asking great questions, and understanding what it's going to take uh, to make sure that not only do we win in, in November, but we actually lead and get things done and get our country back again, make sure we're proud of our country, make sure our education system works for our kids, make sure we're, our economic is, uh, jobs are available for anyone who wants a job in this world, whether it be a job that requires four-year degrees or a, or a skilled trade like my son. So, of course, I'd be back here in, in March. And the one thing, uh, uh, maybe different than anyone else on the stage, is, look, I have a public record. Uh, I have a private sector record. So I'm not afraid to talk about my record, as you saw tonight. I will tell you where I stand. And I know this. When you go to the ballot box and vote for me, the same guy you're voting for in March will be the same guy that goes to Washington in January. That's how I have led. You are owed truth. You are owed old somebody that tells you what he's going to do, tells you why he did it. If you don't agree with it, at least you understand. But most of all, you are owed somebody standing up and speaking the truth. Mike Gibbons. I guess we have some flexibility in how we answer this. Yeah, I'd be glad to come back. And I, I've been telling you, I've been dreaming of uh, debating Tim Ryan pretty much my whole adult life. Uh, I think it would be wonderful. Um, and I, I guess having a bunch of liberal people supervising it might be a problem. Uh, but I think I could beat him. Uh, and I'll just tell you this. I'm, uh, I'm a businessman, and I'm not running because I want a political career. I believe our founders wanted people to learn in the private sector, take that to Washington, apply their expertise from the private sector to government problems, and then come home. I promise you that's what I'm going to do. The, when people go astray, when Republicans go astray, they go astray because they're told if they don't Follow do something, they're not going to get help being elected. I don't care. J.D. 
Yeah, so I'm, I'm happy to come back and hope we get to do it in March. Um, you know, Tim Ryan, obviously not a fan of his. He sent out a fundraising email a couple of days ago that insulted my book. And so I really want to get on the stage with Tim Ryan and actually mix things up a little bit. But I'm not going to do it uh, in an idiotic way. I'm not going to do it with four liberal moderators. So I'm going to demand uh, that we actually have some, some, fair, uh, some fair accounting and some fair moderators. And, and look, I mean, my... First of all, thanks to all of you for doing this, uh, Hugh and Aaron. Uh, thank you guys so much. My basic argument is that we as social conservatives, we have to wake up to a new reality, which is that we are not just facing a tyrannical government that's making bad policy. We are facing a tyrannical multinational corporation set that is making it harder for us to live our lives, that would rather assault our values, invest in communist China, than it would, it, than it would rather build something here in the United States. We have to fight against both of those forces if we're going to ensure that our kids can live a good life in this country that we love. Thank you all. Josh. I'm, uh, I'm in for the March uh, CCV debate. Uh, I have no desire to uh, have a bunch of liberals moderating some other debate against Tim Bryan. Listen, I'm, I've been friends with most of the people up on this stage, and I can tell you they're all good people. Uh, and I have a lot of respect for them. I will tell you, though, there's only one guy up here who's going to take the steel spine of a Marine. The same way I took on Kasich when he was acting like a Democrat down the street at the State House. That's how I'm going to take on not just Pelosi and Schumer and Biden, but also the squishy establishment Republicans as well. And ladies and gents, these squishy establishment Republicans, they enable the Democrats. When, 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 when they're in power and the Republicans are in power, they're like, well, we got to work with Pelosi and Schumer to get things done. That's their code language, get things done. When Pelosi and Schumer are in power, they jam it down our throats. And that's why I say, when I go to Washington, I'm not going to listen to the Republican leaders. I'm going to use two documents as my guide. The Bible in one hand and the Constitution in the other. Bernie, you get the last word. There you go. Well, first of all, uh, anytime, forget just March, invite us back next month. We'll do this every month. We'll be like a, like a book of the month club. This would be great. In terms of a debate with uh, liberal uh, journalists, I welcome it. Let's go. You know what? Because we're going to be down in D.C. You think it's going to be like being in Columbus where we have a supermajority? We're going to be having to go against Bernie Sanders and AOC and these crazy left loonies. And I can't wait for Tim Ryan to tell me that I am anti-immigrant and anti-South American and I hate people from Spanish countries. Although I will maybe concede that a couple of my cousins. But other than those two, all right. And let me just say this last word because this is really important. This election is so critical. Thank you all for being here, for spending your Sunday night with us. But let me just push back on something for a little bit. The question you asked before was about increases in overdoses from 19 to 20. President Trump was president in 20. We had a sealed border, guys. It wasn't because the fentanyl was coming across the border. It's because we locked down people and deprived them of joy. And listen, I love your steel spine, Josh. That's why I supported you so much in 2012. But where was it last summer? When I was getting death threats at my house because I was speaking up against lockdowns. That's the difference. When you weren't running for office, what were you doing? Please ask that question as you look through these candidates. So since they've all agreed to come back 
when we do this again, I'll save the really good question for that time now. I'll, I'll pass on, on my last question here. Uh, a few things before we release. First and foremost, will you join me in thanking the candidates? Will you join me in praying for them? That concludes today's episode of The Interview with Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for listening. Make sure you come back and check out all the other podcasts on the Salem Podcast Network. And remember to thank our sponsors, andrewandtodd.com. If you believe in long-form interviews like I do, then do your real estate transactions with Andrew Del Rey and Todd Avakian. I've known both men for a long time. andrewandtodd.com. Go there, answer a couple of questions. They'll tell you what's best to do with your house or call them at 888-888-1172. You'll be glad you did and you'll be glad that you listened to the next episode of The Interview. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.